praise the Lord. Thank God for grace today. Happy to be in the house of the Lord today. Privilege for us to be gathered together in it. We'll take this uh, prayer request, Brother Burton, Sister Barbara, to the Lord, and also Sister Judy Dyer. You're with us in service today, Brother Dan. She's got some needs in her body. <clears throat> we'll pray for her as well. Anybody else have a need in your heart before the Lord? You'd like to be remembered. Let's, let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, how we thank you, Father, that we're able to stand here today and say that our chains are gone, the chains of sin that bound us, the nature that we were born with that had so corrupted us away from your image. We're thankful, Father, that we're on our way to full redemption. But we know that our bodies have not yet been fully redeemed, though the deposit has been made. Lord, we thank you for not only making a provision for our souls, but for our health in this life. Dear Jesus, we pray for Brother Burton, Sister Barbara Gravely. You see their needs in their body, Lord, as you just be with them. Lord, as I'm going to preach with this prayer cloth today for Sister Judy Dyer, you see the needs that she has in her body. And we're just thankful, Lord, they're able to be in service today. But you see, Lord, the uh, desires and the quest of every heart, every individual that was uplifted by hand. It signified a sickness, a disease, a trouble, a disparity of life. Lord, we bring them all to you. I stand here today, Father, no doubt I'm the most needy person in this whole place to try to have to speak to your children, to try to address your children, which have such pressing needs. How could one mortal ever be able to administer things of eternal value to another? Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be able to get out of the way. Help me, Lord Jesus, to surrender my being to you. Use that part of yourself a gift, Lord, that you gave me to be able to speak. May your children be edified. May you be glorified. May we all be closer to you once the service is done, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. St. John chapter 4. Verse 5. I don't know about you, but I so appreciate our Lord Jesus being willing to step down and become what no one else could become. When I, when I think of what he did and look at the greatness of what he stepped down from, I realize the things that he asks of us are so small. And we just carry on and carry on and act like he's asking for so much stuff when in reality it's so very, very small compared to what he gave. But even in that, he understands how we are. I'm so grateful that he does. Amen. Also, before we read the scripture here today, we've got an engagement announcement to make. Brother Gabriel Hara. And uh, Sister Charity Laster got engaged. Are they here this morning? Where are they at? God bless you all. We're happy for you. May the Lord bless and be with you. Amen. St. John 4, verse 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar, 
near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour, which is noon, lunchtime. So it's not like this day has been 18 hours long yet, or 20 hours long. So it's around noon. Jesus has been walking, praying for the sick, doing the various things that he did during that day. But as a man, Jesus actually got tired and weary. So being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. I'm so grateful that John wrote this because it helps us to get a view, a deeper view of his humanity. Now verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. I believe that's what we've done so far this morning, don't you? Worshiping him and We've worshipped him in spirit, and now we're fixing to hear the truth. Not only that, but both of those elements are in true worshipers. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. It's further back, of course, than what our minds can be able to comprehend. We relate to time as we measure it, seconds, minutes, hours, uh, weeks, months, years. But if you could travel with me for just a few moments before we get into this, our setting today is one that is so moving from the divine side. I want to speak to you on the humility and the glory of kenosis. I know the kenosis means the emptying of oneself out. There was a great myriad of angelic beings which had been created and brought into existence from the speaking of the word. The Logos had created these angels of time. And they were going to be placed on a basis of which they would be able to choose what they would do. They were in a probationary period of time that they would make a choice whether to stay with light or go with darkness, which was yet future. And this is before, of course, the foundation of the world, because we know that's when the angels had fallen, actually before the world was ever created. And God, the mighty eternal, had out of his own being projected the Logos, which was himself in another form, from visible to invisible, rather, to visible. And he had made all these beautiful, majestic, angelic beings. They were created in forms of Degrees by which they were higher and higher and higher. So there were angels and cherubims and seraphims and zooms. There were archangels. There was different types of angels. Some that were not exactly created in the same way. 
some that were from the eternal aspect of God's being and some from the aspect of the time side. And this one particular angel that was the mighty angel, a great angel, he was the arche or the beginning, an archangel, principality, one who started in order of a succession. And his name was Lucifer. He was day star or light bringer, as the Bible calls him. He was one that was given such authority and such preeminence and no doubt beauty and the way that Ezekiel 28, also Isaiah 14, describes him, that he was a preeminent angel among the angelic host. He was one that Father knew would one day rebel against him. And God understands whenever uh, we have rebellion. God understands even how churches split and how that ministers will come in and sit under another minister and sit there maybe for years and years. And all of a sudden, one day, an agenda begins to hit their heart. An agenda begins to motivate their minds. And actually, it's demonic but they think it's the Lord. And an agenda will begin to move upon them. And it is an agenda of rebellion. That rebellion did not actually start with that man. It never started actually in the church ages. It actually never started on the earth. But it started in heaven. That's where sin began. In our minds, we think, why would would angels ever walk away. They, they never drank. They never smoked. They never had addictions. They never had women problems. They never cursed. No adultery. Uh, and all the things that would beset us as far as the way we would identify sin, we would think there was nothing there that would actually bother them. But in reality, it was the exact same things that bother us. Except the venue by which Satan used was totally different. We know that Satan goes exactly the same way with all human beings. And the Lord Jesus knew this before he kenosis himself into this type of a body. He had seen this there in heaven because he was the other great archangel. He was the other angel which was the theophanic angel of God. He was not the one which stopped the divine approach as Lucifer was, but he was higher than him in rank. And of course, Lucifer could not stand it. Now we know that jealousy is such a a cruel thing. We know the Bible tells us that. And the betrayal of jealousy is awful. It's destroyed churches. It's destroyed homes. It's destroyed businesses, families, nations. Actually, it's what brought uh, the evil into the world was the defiance of, of Lucifer in the beginning because he was jealous against God. God made him so great and gave him such a great position. But the father also knew that one day he would choose wrong with the position that he had and go the wrong way. God never made him do that now. But it was something that he knew he would move into. 
And when Satan, it finally hit him, we don't know exactly what it was that moved upon his being. If it was anger, if it was uh, something that he just got weary with subjecting himself into the presence of God. But we know that basically it was the element of pride. That in his pride, he moved over into the north of heaven. And in the north is where he decided to start his rebellion. There's something about the north, actually, that Satan knew that. And even in the tabernacle, if you look at the designation of the north side of the tabernacle, the way the pieces of, of tent and awning were wrapped around it, and the words there that's used is quite amazing. It's a Hebrew word that is similar also to flank. And when Satan desired to have the north side, he would exalt himself in the north side. So one day something just moved upon him. Whether it was a progression that it started maybe weeks, months, years, however far back that it was. But in this particular day, it had arrived to that spot. He would go no further. He would absolutely serve God no more in this way that he had done. Something then began to come out of his own being, which was not a creation, because sin is not created. But it was something from his own heart. I hope that God will help each of us here today. To be able to understand why God hates pride and arrogance and stubbornness so much. Pride and arrogance will actually keep you out of the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not talking about combing your hair before you come to church and putting on clean clothes and dressing up and all that. Y'all will do that just out of respect for us if you don't do it for no other reason, you know. Take a bath for the rest of our sakes. But whenever people go beyond that which is necessary and that which is essential for life and they move over into the realm of pride whether or not you understand it you're moving and crossing a line that you move out of the provision given to to man by God you move over into a satanic demonic realm of pride now, there's nothing wrong with us being proud of things that God's given us, things that God's done for us, and even things that God has helped us to do. But there is a line by which we cross over into that line of pride, and then it becomes beyond that which is allowable and tolerable to God, and it comes into the realm of Satan's pride. And that pride is where all the sin that we see today actually originated. But with that pride alone, you know, pride by itself can be destructive. Pride by itself can be devastating. But pride alone only has limited devastating power as to what it's able to achieve. So pride must be coupled then with something else in order to bring about this achievement that this being now wants. So with his nature change, 
which come from within his own being. It's hard for us to imagine a being that was so, so heavenly and so shared of divine nature that he was God's right hand man to fellowship. Now everything that he shared in was given to him and was of a borrowed extent or one which was delegated by the Almighty as he was working under a power which was only temporary. It was, as it were, in heaven a power of attorney by which the Almighty had given this great angel. He was one that the Bible describes him as, Thou art the anointed cherub, and I have set thee so. So God ordained him when other angels would approach the throne of God, he was the one who stopped their approach. So if any Zun, cherubim, lower angels would come toward the eternal, Lucifer would stop them. He was also in charge of the music of heaven. That was created perfect until the day that iniquity was found in thee. And from the day that thou was created, the days of thy tabrets and harps and pipes. This is why Satan knows the power that lays in music. This is why music is anointing people. For the tribulation period. You know how it is? You can't even go into Walmart today. You can't even hardly go to any stores, Lowe's or whatever more, without music going in the background. And you've noticed as well as I have, they keep turning it up. If they would have left it low, that would have been one thing, but they keep turning it up higher and higher. What's it doing? It's setting the mood, the mood rather, and the motion for the tribulation period. Because Satan, being the prince of music, understands that there is something about rhythm, something about beat, something about lyrics, something about music that is able to catch the human spirit. Now, we know that Elisha was a great prophet of God, but Elisha was apparently in the human makeup a moody sort of a fella. And one day, Elisha got in a, in a really bad mood. But God had a word that he needed to bring to somebody. But Elijah wasn't in the right mood. Now, I imagine there's probably a few Elishas here in the church today. That a lot of times we come to church and we're just not in a worship mood. We're not in a praying mood. We're not really in a going to church mood. But we go ahead and go anyhow. And hope that God can do something for us wretched mortals. Because we've seen him do it before. So we go there and we get there and the song leader tries to get you to sing and worship and clap your hands. And you don't really do it because you're not in the mood for it. 
So you just basically, how many more songs are they going to sing before Brother Donnie comes out? I'm wore out with all this singing. Well, they're trying to do their part. That is to lift your unmoody spirit into a mood to where the Lord Jesus can be able to speak his word to you. Amen. Because there's something about music that can be able to minister to us. And this is one thing that I appreciate about our, our musicians here at the church. And I trust and pray they will always seek God's anointing, God's blessing upon their music. And that we always are able to find the middle of the road between modern, contemporary, all that sort of thing. And that which is really bride music. And that God will help us as the saints of God to know that, that we are made and designed to be able to respond to that music to pull us into the channel of God. Well, I'm not sure why I'm saying this today, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyhow. So this great angel that was there in the presence of God and this evil began to arise from his own being. Now, since he is not omnipotent, He's not omnipresent. He does not have omniscience. He does not have many of the great attributes that God has, but he has a desire to have them. He has a desire to be like God. He has this in him that he wants to be everything that the Almighty is, but in reality he has to know that he cannot be. He has to know in reality he's never created one flea, not one gnat, not one thing has he ever created because he does not have the ability to do so. But he must have gained an understanding by being before the throne of God and watching Father. And he learned then by, by, by watching God that even though he did not have creative power, if he would be able to go to that which God had created and be able to pervert the creation that God did, he would be able to channel it around where he could use it for his own motives and purpose. And brother, sister, he has done a magnificent job in doing so. So he also knows now that he must have helpers because the Almighty is omnipotent, omnipresent, all of that. But Lucifer is not that. He cannot be that, never will be that. And how, one of the brothers asked me the other day, stepping up the steps after service on Sunday, he said, how, uh, where is the devil? How can the devil not be here and there and there? How does he uh, face all these different people? Because I'd said most of us have probably never faced the devil himself, but we face his imps. But Satan cannot be everywhere at one time, right? But how does he do this? He does it by fallen angels. So there were all of these angels that were placed on the, the, the stage or the platform of probation. Now remember the Bible says there's also elect angels. Now they were of a different category. They were not like these other angels which were on probation. Whosoever will angels or whatever you want to call them. Uh, but these others were elect angels which were not made of the same material. Exactly. They were not made made of the same substance or of the same nature. They were from the divine side of the eternal. 
And yet, these other angels had the ability to choose where they wanted to go. So Satan raised up and went over on the north side and started actually the very thing that we are still dealing with here today. I hate to disappoint you and let you down, but every child of God that's born again, even those of you that are truly immersed, your soul is immersed into the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You are still dealing with the remnant of that which was started that sad day in heaven. And that is the remnant of rebellion. Pride. Stubbornness. Amen. Now, notice whenever this started, uh, you know, you, you don't really know because the Bible doesn't give us much information on it and, and nor does the message, but in our minds we wonder, did, did he know that God had the book of life, the Lamb's book there? Did he notice God kept protecting this book that was there? Did he wonder what was in it? What is God's furtherance of his program? And yet we know that the, the universe, the expanse of the universe and the earth was not brought into existence uh, before the angels had fallen. But after the fall, then God started expanding this by, by creation. And Satan, by then, he, he had lost his original identity and he had fallen and went over into the north and began to preach, actually. Amen. So Satan was the first preacher of division. He was the first preacher to cause a split in God's church. That's right. And he caused it by no doubt an agenda that seemed to appeal to these angelic beings. It's hard for me to comprehend that an angel there in the presence of God, never born in sin, never knew wrong, never done any wrong, and yet they would want to leave. Don't you understand that there are some mortals on the earth today, no matter how long, the Lord would let them tarry and give them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Many of them will never come to Him. They simply will never do it. And these angels, whether it was one by one or ten at a time or fifteen at a time or a whole mass of them just left. And we know that the dragon with his tail uh, drew a third part of those stars. They then move into these dimensions that Father had created because he knew that this would happen. It did by no means caught him by surprise. So Father created seven dimensions and that was light, matter, time, science, where the unbeliever goes, where the believer goes, and where God is. These demons with their ability apparently to move back and forth in these dimensions and do dimensional travel, they already were aware of this. And we see that as they went on and progressed in time, that they certainly are learning more how to use these dimensions. And by science, by disease, by a fourth dimension where diseases come from, this is what they're still doing today. And this is why that a disease will begin in the fourth dimension. And then man will come up with a vaccine for that disease. And that disease will actually mutate or change itself 
and be able to become to where that particular vaccine will no longer affect that disease. Now, we know that those germs do not have the ability on their own to do that. But since their origin is the fourth dimension and they're under the influence of demon life, then those demons simply change or restructure the genetic makeup of that disease which they themselves help structure in the fourth dimension and they outwit the guys in the laboratory. Then they have to spend another six months or another year and millions of dollars in order to do it again. And the demons say, go ahead and do it. And whenever you do it, I'll restructure the DNA, the makeup of it. And you'll have to do it again next year and next year. Because they constantly outsmart men. I imagine they must have been terrified when God raised up a prophet on this earth in the last day. And the fourth dimension was open like it had never been before. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Now, whenever we look then at the coming of the Lord Jesus, it was not just to deal with the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. Because the Garden of Eden, when we pick that up, that's actually quite some time. Of course, we don't even know how long it was after the original sin started in heaven. So sin must be dealt with not just man's sin, but sin. Man's sin will evolve more around things of the earth. But if God takes care of sin only in the scope of the human realm, then the sin which was the original sin will still be ongoing and live. So God must take care of the sin that actually started before you ever got here. So it wasn't drinking then. It was not smoking. It was not adultery. It was not television. It was not pornography. It was not rock and roll music. There wasn't any of that there, right? So what was it where sin started? So whatever God does to be able to totally eliminate sin, it must be eliminated from its origin. Amen. It must be absolutely destroyed from its origin. And its origin was not the earth. So in its origin, it must be attacked and annihilated. So what do we find Lucifer then this great angel doing? He does not, he does not have the ability, of course, to go over to angels. And uh, we know that angels are not women. Uh, So he does not have the ability to further his kingdom by multiplying angels. He has not one more today than he had from that day in heaven when they originally fell. So how many ever that he had then is what he's got today. Is that right? Angels do not reproduce. Angels cannot multiply. Neither can they be redeemed. No redemption for angels. 
So whatever he started out with, he still has today. Those of you that, that have traveled, and say many of you have went out, uh, out west and the expanse uh, of population is so much less out there, or maybe you've been to different parts of the world and the population was less. And all of you is very spiritual at all. You know that when you enter into those places, and you may drive for hundreds of miles, and out in uh, Nebraska and, and different parts of the west and Arizona and places like that, you may drive and drive and drive. Brother Dave Johnson and, and Brother Daniel Ball and I was out there a few years ago and uh, I drove on one Sunday afternoon and I drove for hours and hours coming to the sand hills of Nebraska and different places out there. And my goodness, at any time you're looking for a Comanche chief to just ride over the top. There's no houses, there's no barns, there's no garages and, and you, meet a, you meet a vehicle maybe once every hour and it's just rolling hills and nothing after nothing after nothing and I thought this is absolutely wonderful you know why because there wasn't no demons out there demons don't hang around crows and they don't hang around cattle and sheep they love human beings but then you notice as you go to getting back in town and you go to getting back into the settlement of population that that feeling on you changes. Why? Because those demons on them people recognize the Spirit of God on you. And you go to feeling that uncomfortable type of feeling. Well, then you hit the city limit sign and you run back out again and you get into that free thing. It's a good thing that I can't make a new world and live on it because I'd say adios to most of you all today. That's right, I'd leave this old troubled world and I wouldn't be the only one. By three o'clock this afternoon, there'd be whole new universes out there would all be gone, wouldn't we? Because there's something about us, we long for that type of peace. So by this time, when we pick it up in the book of Genesis, all kinds of things have already happened when Moses is able to frame it there when he said, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. Now God, in order to bring the man and the creation, the entire creation, back to this place before sin ever started, it must come back to the very cause of sin. So it was more than just on the earth to where man fell and here the man looked at an apple hanging up on a tree. Well, no, it wasn't even that in the first place. But it was man partaking of the rebellion which had started in heaven. Now, if the Lord Jesus is going to kenosis himself and empty himself out in order to become the human sacrifice that will atone for our sins and expiate our sins from us, he must also go to the very cause of our sin or we will do it again. It's inevitable. He must go to the very cause or the source. So who was the cause? Oh, you say Adam. No. Eve. No. Lucifer. So Lucifer, as he watches as God through the Logos... So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So out of the eternal's existence comes an attribute of himself, which is a visible form of the invisible. It is what will later be called Jesus. He's not Jesus then, but he's Jesus later. 
It is Christ. Then that starts creating. Then these fallen angels now, they start watching as the universe starts expanding. So here goes all of the universe and here's this galaxy and that one and that one and that one. And you know if you've looked at any of the the telescopes and things that in this age it has absolutely exploded the illumination of the universe. If Galileo would be able to live in this day, the man would be so overwhelmed by what man has been able to see. Same as Luther. Or Wesley or Pentecost. And their their telescopes become more powerful. And of course, by having telescopes on the earth, they're still limited by the light pollution as far as how far it can go out. But then they got the idea, why not send these telescopes into the atmosphere itself? So let's raise these telescopes off of the earth and put them into orbit. Now you know the man by the name of Hubble and they they made the Hubble out of him and of course they got it up there and they didn't realize until they got the Hubble up in space that its vision wasn't quite right. It was, well let me say it this way so you'll understand it, it's kind of cross-eyed. You know, its its, it's eyes wasn't good so they had to go back up and they had to recapture the Hubble telescope and they had to put what scientists call glasses on the Hubble. Now notice by moving then their glasses from the earth into the heavens, it opened the heavens up in a new sphere that they'd never seen before. Can't you see why we needed a prophet that would be able to move from the earth into the realm of vision into the fourth dimension and get up higher than we'd ever looked before and said, Lord, children, you can't believe what I'm seeing up here. Oh my, you can't believe what I'm seeing. Why? This is why we needed a prophet. We did not need a theologian. We did not need a pastor or an evangelist or a teacher. They're not made to go soar in those heights. Then they go up and soar in the heights and what does Hubble and all the rest of them do? There are many them are so far out right now that it takes days for the signal to come back to NASA on the earth because many of these satellites are so far out traveling and sending pictures back that it takes days the farther they go it takes even longer and will take weeks well kind of reminds me of where we are this prophet of God that walked with all this revelation in the more I read it and the more I hear it I don't see how in the world the man kept from blowing up with all that God showed him and all that he's seen and the signals are still being emitted as we feed on the unfailing body word of the son of man here we are in 2020 still feeding on sermons that was preached in 49 and 50 and 56 and 60 and 65 and the images are still coming clearer Amen. the images are still coming clearer because it's coming from the word of the hour So the kenosis sin of our Lord Jesus must take into view the very origin of sin. So the origin of sin starts in this angelic being which was created after a holy divine image that God wanted him to have. 
And yet whenever this rebellion started in him, this is the very beginning. We'll look at it a little bit later. Uh, Lord willing, I want to parallel uh, Philippians 2, 5, 6, and 7 down through 9 with Isaiah 14 and just show you how this is. But just for a little, little bit this morning. Then this started in him in his pride. So pride coupled with rebellion. Had that pride stayed within himself, maybe it might have squelched down in time, but no, no, he, he must now release this pride. It's as if though this pride of his own being has been elevated to himself and he looks at himself and he realizes he is superior. When preachers do that, when churches do that, when singers do that, when musicians do that, when nations do that, we are on our way out. One reason why there's no redemption for our nation, because she talks about it all the time, she's the greatest nation on the earth. That's part of who she is. It's part of her pride, part of the stigma of that thing she must self-destruct. So pride then moves over into another phase of his being, which no doubt he didn't even know was there, and that was rebellion. He'd never rebelled before. He had never done anything to rebel against God. He was obedient. He was submissive. He was in servitude to God. But pride coupled with rebellion, then an uprising starts first where? Here. Now, I wonder how many of us would be honest today and say at times we still rebel against God's word. Y'all pray for your enemies every day? Really, Brother Fred? How many just forgives everybody as soon as they trespass against you just like that? Automatically, immediately? Really? Rebellion. Why don't we do it? Well, they shouldn't have done Ah. Well, praise the Lord. I might have to extend this service today a little longer. We're just on page two so far with reading our scriptures. <laughs> Whenever God, now none of this, of course, is new to God. God knew this would happen, and he already had the plan already made. Before there's ever a man, there was a plan. Before there was ever anybody lost, there was a cross. Amen. Amen. So the eternal must work on sin from the very source. And yet whenever the Lord Jesus died on the cross, there was absolutely no personal damage done to the devil. There was no physical damage done to the devil. The Lord Jesus could have spoke him out of existence, but that was not part of his plan anyway at that time. So he must be able to deal with the very cause of sin from the source. So what Satan wants to do is to be able to expand his kingdom once he saw God expand his in the universe. Well, he couldn't make a universe. But the prophet tells us in that day on Calvary 19 and 60 that whenever the Lord was making the earth, that Satan walked up and down on the earth while the volcanoes was exploding out of the earth. 
Now, I don't know how he knew, but he must have known somehow that God was projecting a special love, a special interest, a special something toward this tiny, tiny planet that is so small small compared to many, many others. But there was a projection somehow of God that he knew it, and Satan come down on the earth, so here's the earth, volcano exploding everywhere, and hot lava coming out of the earth, and Satan walking up and down. Why? Footprints meant possession. So he claims this earth as his. I want this place. Now he has no title, he has no deed, he has no way to be able to secure it. As of that time in the creation, the earth had not been designated to an owner as of yet. So God's expanding it and oh my, oh, this must have been wonderful. You'd think them demons would have repented and made their heart right with God if they have a heart and come back whenever they saw God could do all this and they'd say, a uh, 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 leader, can, can you do any of this? Uh, uh, can, you, can you be able to? Well, no, not exactly, but don't aggravate me on trivial stuff. Don't worry, I'll be like God what he's been promising now for thousands of years. He still ain't like him. So he waits patiently and he watches Father as he unfolds. The Logos comes over the earth. And he, he, he leaves the earth in this chaotic stage. And the Logos, the sun, comes over the earth and moves the earth over next to the sun. And he starts spinning it around like your little pan does in your microwave oven. And as he did, the, the climate began to change. And the glaciers began to melt, which had covered the earth. And cut out the Grand Canyon and down through the crevices and cracks of the earth. And the temperature began to moderate on the earth and the spirit of God through the Logos began to change it and he brings it into a more moderate climate temperature zone and he brings it to the tolerable zone of the earth to where that he refocuses her and he brings the planet earth to where she has been for now many thousands of years and what scientists term as the habitable zone That is the zone that is able to receive so much of the sun's light, yet not so close that it would kill us, and not so far away that we would freeze to death. So in the habitable zone, there is life. Amen. And when Satan began to watch God, he thought, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, this is the place. He's got something special in mind. For this little speck of dust. I want it. Well you all feel honored because when he's seen the grace of God start dealing with you before you ever got saved. He made his claim on you too. I hope this ain't going to stagger you this morning. But ever before you ever got saved, before you ever thought about God, God started thinking about you. God started watching out for you. So many of us ought to have been dead. We ought to have been killed in car wrecks. All kinds of things ought to have happened to all of us, but the mercy of God intervened. Why? Another little speck of dust in the great big gigantic universe of the Almighty. You know the story, of course, and let me speed up a little bit. As it comes to the Garden of Eden, whenever man in his state of innocency is given a companion, 
made out of the original program of God. For God had stopped creating for years and years and years. And the woman was made in a pattern of her own. In the sense of broken continuity. Male and female elephant, male and female giraffe, male and female whale, male and female trout, male and female catfish, on and on and on and on and on. But when it come to man, there was only one. So Satan looking at this, he must have marveled. What? I don't understand. I don't, of course you don't. This is the bride. So he looked and he must have pondered, Brother Tom, what, what, is, what is he doing? Uh, everything else is in pairs. Absolutely everything else is in pairs. Why is he making only one of this? And God leaves him on the earth for some time. We don't know how long. And then finally God lets him know that he's going to give an answer. Amen. He's going, today is the day of the breaking of the seal. And I'm going to let you know what you've been longing for. And hungering for. And God opens up Adam's unbroken body and breaks the flesh and reveals the mystery of what Adam had been longing for. And who was it? A furtherance of himself. Now remember, God had already done that out of his own being before the foundation of the world back there in eternity. Amen. And he's only reflecting on the earth what he had already done back there in the eternities. And Satan, now remember the whole program of God's going to be played out. It's going to take absolute millennial. It will take thousands of years, thousands of years for the program to consummate and wind back up. But God's got plenty of time. He's the ancient of days. God ain't working on a stop clock. God ain't about to get old and retire. Amen. Because he don't never enter into retirement. Because he's not one day older than he was trillions of years ago. Because the eternal does not age praise be to God and we know that as Satan comes upon the earth and he begins to speak to Eve and we're not sure how long this transpires or how long it takes place well if the serpent was anointed day after day after day if it happened one day or it happened a week we don't know but yet we know that it wound up being that Satan is stepping inside of this, this being this serpent was the closest one to the man on the earth he mirrored actually the creation of Lucifer in the heavens. The closest one in the heavens next to God was the Lucifer. The closest one on the earth next to man was the serpent. So there was an affinity between Lucifer and the serpent. The serpent was an animal of course but he had a place for a soul. He didn't have a soul but it just so happened the devil had one. What is the soul? Nature of your spirit. So the devil enters into the serpent this morning, that particular morning in the Garden of Eden. Adam was out doing whatever he did to take care of his responsibilities. And the serpent comes up to Eve and starts talking. Now remember, he wasn't a copperhead or a rattlesnake. And he stood upon his tail one day and said, how you doing, woman? He didn't climb up on an apple tree and, you know, begin to hiss around the apple tree. But he was in the appearance of a man. He was the closest thing to a man. So he looked like a man, except larger. And the prophet tells us that he was more handsome than Adam. Right. 
But he had a place for a soul, didn't have one. So the Satan enters into him. Now this rebellion, this pride, this stubbornness, this arrogance has now entered in to an element of flesh. So the serpent was a fleshly being. Now this is his first time for this to take on personification. Look friend, this is not my notes, but I'm just going to follow the leading of the Lord. This is the first time that pride and rebellion and stubbornness and all of that takes personification. It is, of course, in an animal, but in an animal that will mix its seed line with the woman. No doubt Eve was not alarmed by him coming to her. No doubt she was not shaken by him talking because he had talked before. I'm sure being Adam's right on the earth with Adam, Adam must have had fellowship with him. I'm about to preach some meetings together or something. You know how that goes. Your buddy and all that sort of thing. So they were kind of chums and hung around. Well, hallelujah. Amen. He was the closest thing to Adam on the earth. He could talk. He could reason. He could think. He stood upright on two legs. Didn't have four. Stood upright. And he would look similar, of course, to a human being. But this rebellion, this stubbornness, and this is what gets the serpent in trouble because somehow he had the ability to refuse this, even though being an animal. Now this becomes the first personification of pride and rebellion and stubbornness. And then he wants to get the woman. He, he sees. He can't. He can't and get the man directly. There's no way to get to him. He's too protected around that word. But he also saw that how that he would take Eve by the hand and walk with her through the Garden of Eden. He had seen Adam express things toward her that he had never seen in all of his years of existence in the garden. No doubt he hated Adam to begin with because Adam wound up with a title deed to his home, he thought. And he thought this place ought to be his. And he hears God say, son, this is yours. Oh, he got so furious. He got so upset and so angry. And he looked at him and said, how in the world am I ever going to get this, which I want bad. I want this bad away from him. How can I get that away from him? I see what he is. He's the word made flesh. How in the world can I ever get that out away from him? And he keeps trying to figure and figure. How in the world can I do this? But then when he sees the woman, he says, oh, oh. So she is actually a byproduct. She's not made an original creation. So with this pride, stubbornness, Arrogance, now made flesh in this serpent preacher. This serpent preacher starts preaching his serpent doctrine to Eve. Yea, has God said? God's trying to deprive you. God's being so mean to you women. To tell you you can't wear a miniskirt. God is so mean to you young people to tell you to stay away from drugs and alcohol. Yeah, that ain't being mean. That's been wonderful. He's trying to spare you of a lot of trouble. Ask a lot of these folks in here who started smoking when they were kids and took them years to ever get free of their addiction. Ask them if they have any regrets. 
asked them of the wasted years of their life when they was either smoking or drinking or drugs or whatever more ask them would they go back and do it all again if they're saved I'll answer for them they'll tell you I wish to God I'd have never drunk the first drink I wish I'd have never smoked the first cigarette and you want to go the way of their regret you're foolish if you do now notice the human being is not yet burst into this rebellion or avenue of sin. I know we're going to get to kenosis here, but whenever you look at what he wants to do, it is to hand down the very nature which he has become. Now remember, Satan had become this. He was not created Satan. He was not created the devil. He was Lucifer, light bringer. Son of the morning. Day star. So he was not created Satan. He was not created evil. He become that. He become that by rebellion. And Eve was not evil. Adam was not evil. But now here is the very nature that he wants to contaminate the human race with. Pride, rebellion, stubbornness. And Eve begins to hear it. And something, because she's a human, something begins to rise in her. And she rebels against God's word. Now she's deceived. She doesn't know what she's done. So she's with the serpent that morning. Adam comes in. We'll say now lunchtime. Comes in around lunchtime. And he can tell the difference was Eve. Her demeanor is different. The way she's acting. The way she's even holding herself. He's never seen her like this before. Lucifer has now opened her understanding to her female abilities. He has opened her understanding or enlightened her to her shape, her form, her ability to seduce And Adam realizes what has taken place. And now he is faced with the choice. Knowing, knowing. He's not deceived. He knows what he must do. Then Adam openly rebels against God's word. Oh God. Now then the human beings... With the image of God in Adam, he was willing to forfeit his godship for his wife. When the image of God left him, he was willing to blame God for giving him his wife. Now remember, Adam had not even been reborn. Adam was not born with the Adamic nature as we call it like we would be. But already something happened when the image of God left him. It was a holy, supernatural, invisible something that left him. That the innocence left him. The, oh my, the, the great place that he lived at. It was now gone. And now the man become con, becomes conscious of, of, of shifting the blame. And whenever God comes and calls for him, what does the man do? The man walks out. And a man made salvation. And a man made religion. Is that right? What was he doing? Trying to cover himself and hide himself from his own rebellion. 
as man goes on, it begins to propagate. And we find the daughters of men that they went into the sons of God. And then the seed lines, of course, in Genesis 6, which were separate. Then they become mixed together. Then we find a Moses. We find a Jacob. We find the people of God, elect people of God, bearing the same nature that the serpent seed had prior to Genesis 6. Well, some of you are going to get really quiet on me now. What had happened because now the bloodline is mixed, the seed line is mixed, then the very desire of Satan's being to contaminate the entirety of the human race. There was not one left upon the earth that would not be contaminated. So the entire gene pool coming from the Garden of Eden being separate as it come out of that, then becoming mixed together in Genesis 6, the entirety of the human race would be born with that instilled rebellion. Now many of you parents know as well as I know that some of your kids, they don't have to be a month old for you to tell they've got the office temper that ever was. Now I know all of y'all want to act like y'all raise angels. Why don't you quit lying and be honest like the rest of us. And that little young one of yours at six months old, it'll kick and do this and that and the other. And in your mind, you're thinking, dear God, have mercy. I must have got the wrong baby at the hospital. (laughs) That couldn't have come from me. I'm too sweet. I'm too wonderful. I'm too right. And even though we are born again, we still pass those things on to our children. Stubbornness, pride, rebellion. So if you deal then with the sin only from the the Garden of Eden on, then the very cause of that sin has escaped. He himself must be eradicated. Oh, glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. Now we get to our first quote. (laughs) When he was in heaven, he was the Logos. That went out of God in the beginning. He came down on earth and was not made to be an angel. He came down on earth and took the form of a bondsman. Not an angel. Not come down in the great, I love the way he says this, in the great Jehovah glory. In the great Jehovah glory. Now remember, it is not Jehovah that needs to be fixed. It's man. It's man. And man has got to be fixed further back than Adam. He's got to be fixed all the way back into heaven. He's got to be fixed all the way back to where the first sin originated and that was pride and rebellion and stubbornness. Amen, amen. Notice this. He says he did not come down in the great Jehovah glory, but he came down as a man to redeem man, to die for man, to die for as a man. He never died as God. Now, those of you who say, my God died. No, he never. God does not die. He cannot die. He never died as God. 
He died as a man. Can't you see why he must become a man? He must feel that element of pride raise up in him, but never conquer him. He must feel the element of arrogance in everything that humans are tempted with. Now remember, it was not, it was not as I said, pornography in the Garden of Eden. There was no whiskey there. The devil didn't offer Eve a cigar or a cigarette. There was no makeup there. But it all come from the very same source when we look at it, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Why? This is where Satan fell there in the very origin of sin in the beginning. So the Lord God himself must become in a form to where he can take this within himself and destroy it from within himself. Pride, arrogance, stubbornness, unbelief, whatever more, he must take that within himself and become a curse for us and become a sinner on the cross and a snake on the pole. Oh my, he never died as God. He died as a man. Listen to the way he, he, he terms this. The sin of man was upon the son of man. The sin of man was upon the son of man. He had to become a man in order to pay the penalty. In doing that, when he comes to the earth, he chooses to lay aside his omnipotence, omnipotence. He chooses to lay aside him being the fountain of all knowledge and all wisdom and operates in a realm of humanity that he allows himself to be taught things. He's got more than a lot of us. Some of us, nobody can't tell us nothing. We know everything. You're anointed to the devil. Look, friend, a know-it-all attitude, I know you don't believe it, but a know-it-all attitude, you are delving in the realm of demonology. An attitude of pride and arrogance and you're better than everybody else or you're more spiritual than everybody else, you are playing with demons. You call it the Holy Ghost all you want to. Look at the very nature. It will show you pride and arrogance and stubbornness did not come with the Lord Jesus. It comes from the devil. Amen. Amen. Woo! Our opening scripture, St. John 4, 6. Now Jacob's well was our Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey set on the well. Now so here we see that God cannot get weary. God don't get tired. But Jesus did. St. John 19, 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things are now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. God doesn't know thirst. God doesn't thirst. But this kenosis must be voluntary. And there will be two phases of this kenosis. We're definitely not going to get into them this morning. But two phases of the kenosis, and that is the humility of kenosis and the glory that will follow after the kenosis. Yet God knows all things, but Jesus in the kenosis limited himself to this knowledge of only knowing as a human would know. 
Matthew 24, 36, but of that day and hour, talking about the coming of the Lord, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And yet there were other times that Jesus would seem to display an omniscience that was absolutely phenomenal. And it was phenomenal. But yet he was not doing it in the form of his pre-existence. Oh, listen to me. He never one time in his humanity tapped into his pre-existence as Logos to make his battles a little bit easier. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. If that had been the devil, oh my, you know what the devil would have done. He never one time in his troubles, in his trials, in his tests, ever tapped into that all-knowing, that all-omnipotent. He could not be your high priest and do that. Notice in Matthew 12, 25, and Jesus knew their thoughts. And said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Jesus 13, 3. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. That he was come from God and went to God. Verse 11. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, you are not all clean. St. John 18, 4. Jesus therefore knowing all things. So while he was here on his journey, he kenosis himself from that, but Father would give him a little touch of it every now and then. Now it's not like that he lived in two worlds, that he's in this world of humanity and he's in this world of divinity. And when he really gets in a hard spot, he can tap from humanity and jump back over here and overcome the devil and then jump back over here. If he did that, It's totally unfair to me. It's totally unfair to you. Amen. But he allowed himself to be dealt with in this way as he knew his children would be dealt with when they were here in their turn that they would still be a human but the divine would come and anoint them and help them and still leave them here. So it wasn't that Jesus jumped back and forth. I'm a human. I'm a God. I'm a human. I'm a God. But he was 100% human and 100% God. But he never delved back into that realm of deity and said, this is too much. I can't handle it no more. I've got to have that divinity. I want my divinity back. Well, I don't mind telling you I want mine back. And I've got to be honest, if it was totally accessible to me this morning, I'd walk out of here divine. Any other honest people in here with me? I'd look at devils like fleas then. <laughs> Come on, devil, bring it on. But now I look at them devils as giants. But it just so happens, I'm a giant slayer. (laughs) Anybody else? Oh, yeah. 
You see, the lesson that he wants us to give to bring to our hearts is through his kenosis, we're able to pick up by new birth his own nature. And though we're born in the natural, stubborn, rebellious, with pride, the original sins. And even though you get born again, it's still in your flesh. Amen, Brother Donnie. Amen, Brother Donnie. Amen, Brother Donnie. Praise the Lord, Brother Donnie. Thank you for them amens. Now, you might as well admit it. It's the truth. And the great battle is both the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan are warring in you every day. The new birth from your soul wants to bring this body subject to the word. And this body wants to rebel against your new birth. Who's going to win? It depends on which one you feed the most. Amen. Feed that soul. And the body's no match for that soul. Feed your body and you will become a weak, powerless Christian. Go eat lunch and we'll come back at five. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Lord. I enjoyed that tour. That was wonderful. How many wants to be like the Lord Jesus? How many knows you've been enough like the devil? Even though I'm born again, my first daddy still has, I still got traits like him. <laughs> Brother Jim, just close down your email because we're going to get bombarded after this sermon. <laughs> Sorry for the inconvenience, but we are no longer receiving emails. <laughs> Look, friend, when are we ever going to recognize it? This about you is not born again. This is your greatest enemy. Why would Brother Branham say that to us over and over again? My greatest enemy is William Branham. I wonder how he feels then when we deify his greatest enemy. People want to deify the flesh of William Branham. Brother Branham didn't. God didn't. I ain't going to. I ain't going to deify mine. I ain't going to deify yours. I'm going to burn you. I'm going to cut you. If I have to, I'm going to break your legs. I'm going to do whatever i got to do as your pastor to get you through the gates of that city. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I am in shock today. 
Oh, my, thank you so much. I know they don't understand it. They have to be a preacher to understand how a gift works, even just a little bit to understand it. But if they could just understand what just happened here in this last 50 minutes or so. Help me to always be submissive, Lord. Help me to always follow you, Lord Jesus. Apparently, you wanted to take us on an insight to sin. That we might better understand your reason of kenosis. Thank you, Lord. Wow, I never thought of that in all my years of ministry. That sin must have been dealt with. Not just from the garden on, but from the garden back. Praise God. Lord Jesus, help us today. For those who aren't born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, may they realize they will never be able to live the right kind of life without the power of the Holy Ghost to help them. They might love you. They may live a justified life and a sanctified life. But until your own nature, which goes further back than Lucifer, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Before he was, we were. We were in your thinking. So we must be synchronized with that nature which was before the evil began, the new birth. Then, Lord, help those that are born again to realize they'll battle it until they're changed. That don't mean we succumb to it, Lord. It don't mean that it rules us. The scripture tells us, let not therefore sin reign in your mortal body. And the word reign being basilios, which is to be king, have a dominance to exert force. So we have the power from the soul to destroy the kingdom of Satan in the flesh. Lord Jesus, may we take these words today and think about them. It may take us a little while to kind of digest all we've heard. Lord, help us. Help the people to understand, Father, they need to lay aside and quit trying to bring human perfection in their flesh and concentrate on human subjection. This is the other part of kenosis. You emptied yourself so you could show us what it's like to live a surrendered life. Not just your blood on the cross. Not just the annihilation of that sin, but show us how to live an overcoming life every day. And as the prophet said, that's where most of us fail, is that daily walk. We get all fired up on Sunday and praise God, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. Time Monday rolls around, we get busy, and Monday's gone, Tuesday's gone, Wednesday's gone. We ain't picked up our Bible, ain't listened to a tape. Lord, forgive us. Help us, I pray, Father. Minister to your children today, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Can we just sing a little bit? Worship the Lord. How many like just worship Him a little bit before we go?
Do you understand every source, every, every, every place that it's come from? All this rebellion, all this stubbornness, all this, it's from the devil. It's not from God. Oh, he inherited my strong nature. That ain't nothing for you to brag about. You're young and got that, start laying hands on him in the cradle. I'm not teasing you, it'll cause him battles his whole life. But think about how much of this stuff we're proud of. We boast about it. As if though it's something to be proud of. What? Rebellion? Stubbornness? Hard-headedness? It's satanic. You wives rebel against your husbands, rebel against the teaching of the Word of God that a, that a man is your head, and you think you've got, or you snicker about that and think that's something to be proud of. Sister, that will lead you to hell. You brothers that rebel against the teaching of the Word. Oh, I don't take what Brother Bram said. I don't take what Brother Donnie said. That ain't nothing to brag about. One day in the flames of hell, you'll raise up your eyes and remember these sermons. Get that evil thing off of you. Not subject to me, not subject to William Branham, subject to Almighty God. Hallelujah. Oh, ain't God good. Sing, Harry, sing. Make them happy. Take these hands Lift them up Yes, Lord For I have not the strength To praise you near enough Let's just worship him a little now before we go For I have nothing Yes, Lord I have nothing Without you so true, Lord. So true, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Take my voice. Yes, Lord. And pour it out. Let it sing the songs of mercy I have found. For I am nothing.
Lord God praise God for bringing in us a new nature new desires every born again Christian here today knows that from their soul they never want to rebel against you and even when they miss you it so breaks their heart because that nature in them is a nature of obedience it's a nature of a dove nature of a lamb submission the divine nature of the lamb must become a human so when the blood cell was broken it released the soul the nature of the lamb the nature of the dove to come back not only on the worshiper but in the worshiper so the worshiper would be reborn with the nature of a lamb the nature of the dove still living in a cucklebur body Praise God. But not only does that nature have the nature of the lamb, the nature of the dove, but it has the nature of El Gabor. And El Gabor is the mighty captain of his people. So sometimes we have to charge our flesh. Get up. Go to church. Clap your hands. Turn your head. Don't do this. Don't do that. The mighty charge comes from that our soul and our body must come subject to the king on the throne of our hearts. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise be to God. We worship you together, Lord. Let's sing one more here before we go.
Oh, ain't it been good to be in the house of the Lord today? Don't you appreciate God's kindness and mercy? Go ahead, give him a hand. He's worthy. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. We'll let you go in a few moments, but let's just worship Him a little before we go. Remember, the Father seeketh such to worship Him. There is none like You, Jesus. I
you can be seated for just a moment a little something we need to do we've had two brothers here that's been acting in the office of a of deacon here at the church uh for quite some time brother joe Hare and brother nathan davis and uh from every report i've got about the brothers and their behavior and their dealings with the people it's been really good and we're we're grateful for that uh we'd like to have a vote this morning on these brothers <clears throat> all of those of you that are tithes payers you're the ones that puts votes your officers and deacons pastor these things in uh, we appreciate all the brothers that serve here i'd hate to think what the church would be without the deacons trustees library staff sunday school teachers song leaders musicians so on and so on and so on really i'm not sure why i'm here i don't know <laughs> maybe i can contribute something but anyway it takes each of us to be able to make it work properly don't it for the kingdom of god so, we'll, instead of doing a ballot this morning, we'll just simply do it by the raising of the hands. Um, Brother Joe and Brother Nathan, if y'all, you brothers would just come up front, please, here. Uh, <clears throat> I appreciate being able to have brothers that we can uh, be able to have to help us in this aspect. I, I know that you do as saints. They may have to correct you sometimes and tell you not to park there and you cross the line and your kid was mean and all that sort of thing. But <laughs> we certainly need them. I know y'all debate with them because you think you raise only angels here at Happy Valley. But we certainly appreciate brothers that we have that can be able to uh, in this uh, position. We will vote on them not as a team but individually. So every head bowed will vote on Brother Joe Hare there first. All that vote for Brother Joe Hare continuing in the office to be a deacon. You can just raise your hand there before the Lord. Deacon brothers, you can just kind of help me look here. Okay, thank you. God bless you. Um, Brother Nathan Davis, I just feel like Brother Nathan will be able to fulfill the office and position of a deacon. Raise your hand. Yes. All right. 
God bless you. Well, brothers, to the good or the evil, you were voted in. <laughs> Let's just pray for them today. Lord Jesus, as we stand before you today, first of all, Father, we know that the deacons were found, their identity in the book of Acts. And it was because of trouble in the church uh, among the poor that was not being fed and taken care of. And the apostles actually were being called to do such things. And they said, it's not right for us to have to leave the word of God to wait on tables. So we know that this is when the position of deacons came into view. We thank you, Lord, because you added that. It was something that was so needed. We thank you for the brothers here at our church that have served faithfully for many years. We thank you, Lord, for these two brothers that are standing here today. We ask you, Lord, that you just be with them and help them. As the pastor, I lay my hands on them and ordain them, set them in the position, Lord, to where they can be able to be recognized as the vote of the church to be in this position, Lord. I know that it goes beyond just the walls of the church here. It's, they, they subject themselves to phone calls at home and all kinds of trauma and difficulty from the lives of the people. To be a deacon is actually the Greek word dikonios, to come, come from that word which means servant, to serve. So this is the position that they have assumed today. I pray that you'd help them, help their wives, Lord, because they also will bear part of this call that these brothers share. May the Spirit of God be with them, Lord. Pray that you would help them in their decisions, help them to be able to serve the body. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you, brothers. God bless you. Let's stand together. We'd have a vote on the pastor if we had anybody running, but I don't know anybody's running. So. As long as y'all want me, Lord willing, I'll be here. If you ever want to get rid of me, let me know. <clears throat> if you get tired of me, just let me know. I'll go somewhere else. But until that time, we'll just stay together and fight together and go on together. And hopefully we'll all get raptured together. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's sing something here with a little bit of speed to it. Send these happy folks humming down the road as they go. God bless you. I'll see you Wednesday night, Lord willing. Love you so much. Go in the fear of God. How great is our God Sing with me how